Welcome to Real Estate Unscripted, where each week we connect no-nonsense, let's get it done, realtors and lenders from across the country who want to grow our businesses and stay motivated with timely topics and experts in our field. I'm your host, Marjorie Adam. Let's get started. Well, welcome everyone today to Real Estate Unscripted. I am super excited to have a guest, Connie Myers, on the show today. Say hi, Connie. Hi, everybody. So Connie is going to tell you everything she does because she does a lot. She has had a lot of iterations of her career and how things have shifted. She's going to tell you a lot about herself, but we are really going to focus today on mindset. Mindset is going to be the key going into 2023. So Connie, give us your titles and what you do. Okay. Well, I am a speaker, a six-time best-selling author. I am, I was a FEMA inspector and trainer for seven years, and I am the founder and the CEO of the Crisis Knowledge Management and Preparedness Foundation that talks about how to be prepared for any kind of disaster and how to be more sustainable. And I am a leadership and crisis management strategist. How's that for a mouthful? That's a lot. So who are your main clients? Who are the people that come to you most in your business? I work a lot with leaders in the real estate industry. I am branching out into other related fields like insurance and that sort of thing, but it's primarily people that are leaders or have teams or are maybe getting new in the business and they're trying to figure out how to get started. I was a sales manager for Metropolitan Life Insurance when I was really young. I really love watching people grow and expand. And my specialty has become leadership and mindfulness. Which is so important, I think, especially mindfulness, leadership always, but mindfulness and mindset as we go into any market for realtors and lenders for this podcast. We're in a changing market. We'll call it that. People are like, oh, it's a terrible market. It's a changing market. We've gone through them before. We will go through them again. So tell us, how did you evolve into this career? Because you told me something as we started talking before we started recording, and you said that the best gift your husband had given you. So talk to us a little bit about that. Well, prior to my husband has been gone, it'll be 12 years in March. And prior to him passing, I was just a strong workaholic. And we had founded two companies. One was an online education company and the other became the largest home inspection business in the country when we sold it. And I was just go, 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 go. And after he passed, I went to my partners and I said, okay, I'm ready to come back to work. It had been like maybe eight weeks since he had passed. I'm ready to jump back into work. And when I did, it was when I was talking with them or I was talking with a client or something, I was having this out of body experience where the conversation was over here and I'm watching it. I'm not in it. And I did that for probably about two months. I tried figuring out how to get back into that conversation and it just didn't happen. That's when I realized the old life I had known was gone. And a very good friend of mine, she's in my book, Crystalline Mamas, Mary Morrissey has a it's called the Life Mastery Institute. And she used to always send out this affirmation. And I would read the affirmation. And then right after that would be an email about her Life Mastery Institute. And I would just delete, 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 delete. And this one day, the email came out of the computer and slapped me in the face. And I said, oh, maybe I could be a life coach. What's a life coach? What do I know about being a life coach? And I picked up the phone, Bell Robbins five-second rule, and I made the call. And while I was talking to the guy, and you had to go through this routine, you didn't just get to pay your money and become a life coach with them. You had to pass a test. You had to be interviewed. I was thinking, oh my God, am I going to qualify? Well, it turns out I had been a life coach all my life. I just didn't call it that. I called it a sales manager or running a team or whatever. And 
I stepped into that life. I got my life mastery, which is like having a master's degree in life coaching. And then I got my John Maxwell business and leadership coaching certification. And I started writing books. My first book was Crystalline Moments. And I talk about the fact that my husband's passing. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if he hadn't passed. So the greatest gift he ever gave me is the life that I have today that includes so many wonderful things that I am talking about. My entire life, from the time I was in my early 20s to today, it's training for what I'm doing right now. And that's true no matter what you're doing. It's, it's training and it's, it's positioning you to move forward. And if you look at those crystalline moments and you find the gift and opportunity in every single one of them, no matter how bad or how good, then it's really the universe or God or whatever your belief system is guiding you in the direction you're supposed to be going. And you really define that also as like your resilient mindset. Talk a little bit about that. Well, everything in life is around resiliency. And a resilient mindset is, okay, I do a lot of work and I do a lot of training and certification on how to be a leader and help your community in the disaster world. And so when you see on TV, you see a disaster like the hurricane that's happening in Florida, you'll see an interview of somebody and they'll say, oh, I've lost everything and I don't know what I'm going to do and where I'm going to go. And that is a victim mindset. The other person that you see that they interview is my home is gone. I've lost everything, but me and my family are alive. We can rebuild. That is a resilient mindset. That is exactly where you have to keep your mind at all times. As a matter of fact, first responders and any victim that you've ever talked to that's been through some kind of a disaster or some kind of a crisis, they'll tell you that it's your mindset that gets you through it all and how you look at that is bouncing back. So resilience means building back better. Emergency people use it too when they're talking about infrastructure for a community, building that back better so that it doesn't happen again. Do that with your life through knowing how to get into resiliency and then how to stay in resiliency is really the key. And what I do every single day is I thank my husband for the life he's given me because every single day it builds better and better and better and I'm helping other people. So the resiliency is the most critical part of any part of your life. You give me your health, give me your career, give me your family, give me anything and I'll show you how resiliency pays off. So let's even take that into the current market. So you can look at two different groups of people. The victim mindset, wow, the market was great. Now the rates have changed. It's gotten harder. It's just the world has moved and it's so unfair versus the resilient mindset of, okay, where's the opportunity? Yes, the rates have gone up, but now I can focus on this or not as many people are moving, but I can get better here. And I think that's being resilient. Yes, 100%. I'm writing a course on distressed properties and there's eight ways of property comes distressed. Find one of those that you're passionate about and focus on how you can help your community. And you'll be surprised at what will happen to your business. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that too. But you started when we were talking kind of offline on the stop method. What's the stop method? Okay, well, I actually learned this from first responders. But then I started doing research and I can't remember the gentleman's name. It was back in the 1800s came up with an acronym that is basically the same thing. You can use it in any part of your life, any part of your work. Stop is that. S is for stop. Stop and just let your mind go blank. T is for take a breath. Take two or three really deep breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth. And why is that important? As you are exhaling, you are letting go of the stress and you will feel your shoulders drop and you become more relaxed. O 
is observe. Observe what you're feeling. Are you feeling anxious? Are you feeling happy? What is going on? And then observe what's going on around you. What can you do in your world around you that you can take a step forward and build back better? P is proceed with the plan, which is why you have to have a plan. So just doing this STOP acronym, if you're having a hard day, just do that several times a day. Just stop, take a breath. Observe what you're feeling. And the other thing you can do is you can observe that stress and anxiety sinking down into the ground, through your feet and out. So that then you can allow new positive energy in. Yes. And I think as you talked about and having a plan, we're going to get into having a plan and you're going to talk to us about kind of our vision for 2023, how we do that. But I've always said too, a plan that's not written down is a wish because otherwise it's like, oh, I plan to do that. Well, then it's not going to happen, right? <laughs> so you talked about your vision of how you want 2023 to look like. How should someone work on that? Well, you stop and you sit quietly, have a journal in front of you. If you're looking at different ways to do your business or different ways to do your life, write down everything you can think of. Like when I was young, I thought I was going to be a professional baton twirler because I belong to this little group. And that wouldn't have done me very well. There's not a lot of call for professional baton twirls. <laughs> you never know. So, but when I did this the first time, that went on the list just because it was something that I had talked about or I dreamed about. And it doesn't matter how silly, pretend you're seven years old and the world is wide open to you. So write down everything you can think of, no matter how ridiculous it might be, and write it all down. But then what happens is that all of a sudden there's going to be a few things that pop up into your mind and that pop off of the page. And you're going to be able to take a look further dig deeper into that. And that will help you to come up with the creation. They always say you cannot go to a vision. You have to come from it. And in order to come from it, you have to become it. So it's December 13th, 2023. This is what has happened. This is what has been done. And this is how I'm dressing. This is what I what podcasts I'm listening to. This is what books I'm reading. These are the people I'm hanging out with. And narrow it down to that degree of vision in your mind. And then you break it down. So again, you don't go to a vision. You come from it. So, okay, a year from now, this is what it looks like. So what does it look like by the third quarter? And what does it look like in the half of the year? And then what looks like in the first quarter? And then what does it look by? the first month, and then the first day. So it's January 1. What is it that you want to accomplish by the end of the day? Maybe it's just relaxing and watching football. I don't care. Whatever that day is going to look like, you say that in the morning. I'm so happy and grateful that I was on this fabulous podcast today with Brittany, and it was wonderful. We got to talk about mindset, my favorite topic. I've got a board of directors meeting with my nonprofit this afternoon. I'm so happy that everybody is so on board. So now I've already set the stage. Right. That to me is how you bite off little pieces, not great big chunks. Yeah, that's like how you eat an elephant, right? How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? Instead of you can't just dig into the whole thing. So same thing, right? If I'm a realtor and I have a two-person team and I'd say by at the end of 2023, I have five people. Well, okay. Well, then the involvement is I got to hire one at this benchmark. And so really planning backwards, right? Starting with the end result, because that's not what most of us do. We start the other way. So the vision is this and we don't benchmark it backwards, well, and I think that's why business planning is all about, okay, how we're going to move forward. You can't possibly create a good business plan if you don't know where you want to end up. Agreed. And so by doing it backwards, you're building your business plan as a vision and you're stepping into that vision. 
And those are the senses. What does it feel like, smell like, taste like, look like, sound like? That solidifies it into your mind. And the same is true. We kind of talked about the fact that if you have an important phone call or a call that maybe you don't think is going to go very well, or you have a face-to-face meeting with somebody or a Zoom meeting with somebody, what do you want that outcome to be? For this podcast, I want this outcome to be that people will take some tools away from this that they can use in 2023 to be successful. That's what I want. So having that in your mind before you make that phone call, before you get onto a Zoom, knowing what you want the end result to be will actually change, first of all, how your brain works and how you're going to move forward to it. Yes. And actually the phone calls are perfect because I will tell you, we need to make phone calls. We need to prospect as realtors and lenders. I think phone calls are the hardest because our phones have become texting machines. We don't really want to call people. Some of us, it's where we don't want to bother them, which is for me, I have a pretty stock schedule. So talking on the phone, if there's not really something to talk about, especially my personality type, I'm generally like, yeah, 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 let's go. But if you think about it, I have to make my phone calls instead of sitting there dreading them and thinking, I don't want to make these phone calls, which of course doesn't help us. If we really stop and say, okay, so pretend I'm calling you, I get to call Connie Myers and the opportunity I have. And what I'm really excited about is I get to find out what book is she writing right now? I get to really learn more about her. I'm going in it in a whole other way than I have to make these phone calls for two hours, right? So really saying, here's what's super exciting. I'm going to come off of this phone call knowing that I can help Connie with something today. I'm so glad I got to help Connie instead of, again, I don't know what I'm going to say and I don't want to bother them. And we kind of set ourselves up for dread on certain activities instead of giving ourselves one sentence affirmation you had said to prepare us. And it can be anything. I mean, we're in meetings all day. So lenders, you've got someone coming in that's going to do a loan application. Now, generally, I think you're excited about it, but I'm so excited I get to help the Smith family. I am going to make a big difference and help them get their dream home. Like, I cannot wait to see the Smiths. Again, I think most of the time that's a a meeting people don't dread. But what I mean, any opportunity to flip it, to make it a super positive, what a difference I can make for them. I hope I can change their lives for the better. It's much easier to pick up a phone. I think one of the things that really helped me, I was, uh, rookie of the Year for Metropolitan Life Insurance way back when, a long time ago. And one of the things that my sales manager taught me, I had to make 100 phone calls a day. Ooh. And what he taught me was that every time you pick up that phone, you're one step closer to a yes. You might get a no, but you're one step closer to a yes. And knowing that one out of 10 calls, I was going to get a yes. Knowing that, then I started counting down. And to be honest with you, I hate being on the phone. To this day, I do it because I know that that's how I'm going to be able to move forward, but it's not something that I look forward to. So I have to work on it just like what you were talking about. I'm so happy I'm going to be able to help this person, or this person is going to become a part of my nonprofit. I'm going to be able to do this much more because they're a part of it. So yet you have to change that mindset. I mentioned to you about the study that was done in 2011, and I think this really zeroes in on what you're talking about. There was a study done by Harvard Business Review, Harvard University, Yale University, a bunch of think tanks and psychological companies, organizations, and they brought together 57 leaders from different sectors of business, brought them all together, ran these tests. They took scans of the brain. They did all the psychological testing and all this other testing on them. Then they divided them in half and half of them didn't go through the training. And the other half did. It was all mindfulness training. And for eight weeks, there was this intense mindfulness practices, education, and training. And then they had them do it for another 12 weeks on their own. Then they came and brought everybody back together, tested everybody again, 
And the people that had not done anything, they hadn't changed. Their numbers pretty much came back all the same. However, the people that were going through the mindfulness practices, their numbers changed just enormously. And there were four areas where they improved their emotional intelligence. One of them is, and I want you to think about a problem you're having right now, something that's a challenge right now. It improves focus. How important is focus on whatever it is that you're facing? It improved compassion. How important is it when we have an issue or how we're looking at a new client to have compassion? And Lord knows we need creativity. Creativity. How are we going to do this? We've been used to basically being order takers, right? How are we going to do this now? Because it's not that market anymore. And then by having the mindfulness, you have clarity. You have a clear picture by having the vision and knowing where you're going to go. You have clarity. Those are the four areas where mindfulness practices improved emotional intelligence. And it's unbelievable what it actually did for the brain. First of all, it improved resiliency by over 90, 90, 90%. Think about that. You're going to bounce back better by over 90%. It's going to be easier. Then over 80% in collaboration. How important, no matter what you're doing in your life, whether it's your kids, your family, your friends, your clients, collaboration is the key, right? It improved over 80%. Then it improved over 80% the agility of complex thinking. So especially in the real estate industry, there's a lot of complex thinking that's going on. If you can improve that by over 80%, mindfulness is no longer something that's considered a nice thing to do. It is absolutely a must have. And then they took this study and they combined it. The, it was a British Columbia University kind of with other mindfulness practice studies. And then they looked strictly at the brain itself, the, the physical part of the brain. And the gray matter actually grew in size. Now, I don't know about you, but at my <laughs> age, I need all the brain power I can possibly muster up. So yes. think about how the brain actually grew. So coming back to what we're facing, whatever it is, whether it's personal or business or whatever, if we look at that and we look at it with resiliency and how can I change it from being bad to being an opportunity? And that all comes from the mindfulness practices and resiliency is the key to all of that. And the thing is, we think, oh, okay, good. So what do I need to do? So we're going to go through some of the tactics, which quite frankly, are pretty simple. And we <laughs> know we need to do them, but we don't. And the first thing they worked on was a daily routine, a morning routine and an end of the day routine. But let's start with a daily routine. So the components of that daily routine, right? So go over with us. How did these people then start their day for all of these improvements? I want to preface this by saying you can do this in the shower while you're drinking the coffee. Anytime you can do this. So the first thing you want to do is the stop acronym. Stop. Breathe. Do some reading. Or if you pray, pray. But take a few minutes to just like maybe five minutes to pray and, or meditate and breathe while you're doing it. In through the nose, out through the mouth. That clears your mind. Then you observe like we talked about. And then your plan is whatever your vision is for the day. So you come up with something. So you do the STOP acronym first. Then you actually need to find three things that you are grateful for. And they can be simple little things. They don't have to be big things. I suggest you write them on little pieces of paper and you have two jars, one for gratitude and one for successes. Because the other thing you need to do is write down your successes. And I put those little pieces of paper in the jar. And then when you're not feeling so successful or feeling so grateful, you can pull those pieces of paper out and read them. But by doing that, you're actually changing the chemistry of the brain. 
So now the brain is out there and it's looking for, okay, what am I going to be grateful for this afternoon when I do this protein again? Or what am I grateful for from the day before? And all of a sudden, the mind is starting to say, okay, what can I be grateful for right now? So most people think they have to have a big success for it to count. A success is getting out of bed in the morning. A success is having a nutritional breakfast. A success is I picked up that phone and made that phone call I was dreading to make. That's a success, no matter what the turnout is. But all those little itsy bitsy successes, that your brain is going, okay, how can I be more successful? It's not thinking about, oh my God, this is what I got to do. It's thinking, ah, I want to be successful. I want to have that feeling. All yeah. those endorphins going crazy. So that totally changes how you do things. And you want to do it in the morning. By the way, do not pick up the phone. Do not read, watch TV and watch the news. Do not read nasty stuff in the paper. You want to start your day with all this positive energy because you're going to have enough challenges as it is. So just start your day that way. Take some time. And then if you're heading to work, don't pick up the phone and look at your emails. Don't pick up the phone and think you have to call somebody. There's not going to be a good conversation. Leave it alone until you have some time. When you do finally look at your emails, I'm sure like you, you get hundreds of emails every day. I go through, I pick out the two or three that are really important. And that's all I look at. The rest of them I don't even look at. So picking out things that are going to help you to move your day forward into whatever that affirmation, whatever that vision is for that day. So that's critically important. And so a lot of people work out of their home now, right? So they're not getting in their car and they're not driving to an office somewhere. So in the afternoon, if you're driving to an office, when you get in your car, don't turn on the radio, don't turn on anything, go through your 10 minute routine. And then if you're in a home office, before you leave that office, you do the same thing. Because what that's going to do is set up your evening, whether it's with family or friends or colleagues or whatever, or maybe it's just a good book. It's going to set up your evening to be also a success. So then you have successes upon the successes to celebrate. One of the things we didn't talk about, but I want to mention right here is there's no such thing as failure. Failure is a gift. It's how to move forward. How can we change that into a gift? So when you start thinking about failure, just think of it as a gift. It's a crystalline moment. There's always a gift and always an opportunity, no matter how big or how small it is. Yes. And I think also in that morning, that 10 minutes, whether you're reading a book, whether you're listening to a podcast, whatever it is that's motivating you, something positive, nothing negative you said is correct. We have enough of that or it puts us in a bad mindset. And I think ending that walking out of your home office or getting out of your car and going home, turning off the work is done. It's time to focus at home is really important because otherwise we just bring it all home with us. There's no stop. And I think the pandemic also through working at home, there was no stop. I wore my Star Wars pajamas with my nice shirt, whether it was morning, evening, whenever it was, because <laughs> you worked because you were at home and there wasn't that stop break time, which now the people that are now still home, they don't have that. They're home all day. And so it's also creating that homework environment. I'm the first one to admit I'm terrible at this, but I'm working really hard on it. Get up every hour or two hours at the most and walk around. And again, Think about things you're grateful for. Take those deep breaths. Clear your mind. I'm so grateful that this happened like a few minutes ago. Or, okay, this was a challenge and this is how I'm going to create a gift out of it. And just get up and walk around because that physically walking around will also help with the resiliency. 
Yes. I'll walk up the mall and go get something to eat. And just that walk, that brisk walk back and forth. And I'm kind of reset and ready. Plus I'm not hangry anymore to continue on with my day. So let's talk about a couple other things, a vision board. So let's talk about the importance of vision boards, because I think people will sometimes say, oh yeah, I'm going to cut a bunch of stuff out of a magazine. Then I never look at it again. Or they put like a big yacht on there and say, okay, and move on. So talk to us a little bit about a vision board. Well, I have to tell you that this is one of the topics I'm most passionate about. Before the pandemic, twice a year for the previous four or five years, I did retreats in Mexico and it was called Ignite the Fire of Your Life. Mm-hmm. And it really was down to vision. So you want to create a vision, but like you said, some people put little cut stuff out and they put it on a board and they never look at it. You can create a vision board on your computer that you can look at every day where it's not hanging on a wall somewhere where you have to find it. I like having one on a wall. I also have a picture of it on my computer so I can take it anywhere, but there's actual websites out there. There's tons of them. So just Google one that you think you'd like. Anyway, creating a vision for the year and then taking that vision and breaking it down into these increments and always keeping that vision in the front of your mind. Like it's very important what your vision is for the day, you put that onto your phone and you can listen to it. And you always start it with, I'm so happy and grateful that. And then you can end it with this or something better still. Because the universe or God, just, they're going to say, okay, you want more, right? So having that vision of what you see and then stepping into that vision, what I did at my retreats is I had people physically stand up and I would always tell them, okay, we ran into each other at Starbucks. It's been a year since we saw each other. Tell me what happened. And they would tell me, and, and they used all their enthusiasm and they used their voice and their passion and everything. And if they weren't using it, then I would encourage them a little more forcefully. But being able to step into that vision and see it, and having a vision board and then breaking down what you want, creating these smaller visions will keep it in the forefront of your mind. And you need to have a personal vision board. And then you need to have a career. If you're a leader, like if you're a team leader or you have your own business, you need to have a vision for your business and what that looks like. Because it's part of your personal, but it's exclusive to that. Then if you have a team, if you have a group of people, even if you're by yourself, let's say you're a realtor, you have a home inspector, you have a title person, you have a mortgage person, you have all these people, right? That are part of your team. Then Create a vision for your team where you're working together and you can support one another. That's where collaboration comes in, is being able to share and making sure that people that are in your team are where they need to be. So sometimes there's a team that maybe the person would be much better handling the paperwork than being out there doing sales. Okay. So being able to observe and people being able to realize this is my passion. So each of them have their personal vision. And then they come together and they create the vision for the year for the business. And by doing so, you're working together and creating a bigger vision than what you could have possibly imagined, because there's a whole lot of benefit in numbers. Creating these visions really helps you and not just observing it once in a while. You have to keep it in front of you. Agreed. It's not something you did and you put away in a book never to look at again, which I think we all do. Oh, my goals are somewhere. It's like, well, and I guess you probably don't remember them if you're not looking at them, right? Like they should be. So really everyone listening. So if we're going to chunk down a bunch of to do's, right, for them to leave this call, it's understanding the importance of mindset. We're going to go through a couple books that you recommend too, but understanding and being clear about a resilient mindset is the stop method, practicing the stop method. It is setting and following 
because a lot of us have these, oh, look, here's my routine on paper, my perfect morning routine that I never do. So really not only creating it and replicating it more than once, right? We can't just, I did it once, following that. Then creating our vision boards, but not only that, having clarity of what we want the end of next year to look like, working through it backwards to set up those quarterly goals. Those are tactical things as well as Having maybe an alarm on the phone, I don't usually use my phone much, but if I want to set a break time, I got to make some annoyingly sound that I can't (laughs) ignore, maybe dog barking or something that I'm like, okay, that says, go take your five minutes, take that mind clearing quick walk, just to really give yourself a break, right? To keep your energy up. But I wanted to also end with, so I'm a big reader. I love to read. I sit at home and do book challenges, a couple books for mindfulness or happiness, a couple things that you would say great books for someone to read. Okay, well, there's always two that I go back and reread every year. One of them is called The Big Advantage by Sean Aker, but he was a Harvard professor. And he did a study on happiness. Now, most people think that you have to be successful to be happy. And the exact opposite is true. You cannot be successful unless you're coming from happiness. So any of Sean Aker's books, he's got ones just called Happiness. He's got six or seven books on the topic. But when you read those books and you see how it changed, he uses like a hospital and a school and some other examples of how just shifting, coming from happiness and creating happiness in that organization, how it changed the bottom line. So understanding that we have to be happy. If we're not happy, what do we have to do to shift that? So Sean Aker's books are fabulous. And then the other book that I always talk about is called The Upside of Stress by Dr. Kelly McGonigal. And in the book, she talks about we can choose to believe that stress is going to kill us. Or we can choose to believe that stress creates challenges, just like an athlete. Before they go out on the field, they're feeling anxious. Okay, what's going to happen? What are we going to do? They've got jitters. But when they get out there, they take that energy and they turn it into challenge and they move forward. So in the book, they did a study showing that people that believe that stress is going to kill us, it will. But only if you believe it. It's a fabulous book on how to really take a look at as a stress in your life and how to create something positive at it. A crystalline moment, gift or benefit. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining me on Real Estate Scripted. And then we're going to have all your info so we can research your books as well as to read those. They can connect with you. The mindset, again, cannot be stressed enough. So I really want to appreciate you and thank you so much for being with me today. And it's been a joy getting to talk to you. It's been my pleasure. By the way, you can get a free copy of digital copy of my book. When oh. you have to come up and speak, prepared to be ready. Thank you. I'll make sure everyone sees that as well. You have a fantastic day. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much for having me. Real Estate Unscripted is sponsored by Alcova Mortgage. Alcova is committed to simplifying the mortgage process. Check out the tools we offer to realtors and homebuyers at alcova.com slash realtors. Alcova Mortgage, equal housing lender, NMLS ID number 40508, NMLS Before we go, please show us some love by subscribing on your listening platform of choice and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you share this with your friends and be sure to listen in next week. Until then, this is Marjorie Adam. Don't forget to check out the show notes for a recap. This podcast was made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support.